They may have life altogether, but you didn't see their life before they had it, quote, altogether. And I can promise you there's not a single person in this room who has it all together. If you are here and you have it all together, could you please raise your hand? Anybody at all? Aaron, Priscilla, I got you. See, I saw, you didn't think I was looking, Priscilla. Priscilla's all happy because she's getting married in a few, in a month, like in like two weeks. Wow. I should, probably should get ready for that, huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm doing the wedding. I'm not actually marrying her. I'm doing the wedding. So I went back and I looked at Jesus and how he preached a message to people who were coming after him in the gospel. Because, I mean, if I'm going to preach a message, I want to see how Jesus did it, right? Doesn't that make sense? Makes sense that I want to, you know, take that as an example. Jesus' methods of teaching were quite disturbing to church growth leaders. You know, there's, there's ways that you can grow churches, right? And again, I'm not opposed to any of those things. Please hear me today. But Jesus' method of preaching totally went against that. What do I mean by that? Large crowds, as we'll see in just a few moments, large crowds followed Jesus, but not many people continued to follow him. You know, we often wrestle as, as churches, we'll think, man, so many people have visited, but they're not continuing to come. Or some people will tell them about Jesus, but they choose not to follow. You know, not everybody even followed Jesus, the Son of God himself when he was here on the earth. Why? Because Jesus gave people an uncomfortable truth about following him. See, my goal in teaching today is to challenge all of us with the uncomfortable truth of following Jesus because we celebrate his resurrection, rightfully so. We understand the blessings and the benefits that we have from following Jesus, but there's some things that he says and that he demands of his people because of the resurrection that he wants us to be clear on. My prayer is that we accept the uncomfortable challenge that Jesus gives us to follow him. Because I can promise you this. My mom, she, you know, she had us in church. But from the time I made my own decision to follow Jesus, has it been easy? No. But has it been the best decision I've ever made? Yes. Because when the difficulties have come, I haven't been alone. I've had, I've had the Son of God. I've had the Holy Spirit that he sent with me during those difficult times. Does anybody know what it's like to be alone? You just, you just feel alone. I'm not talking about relationship status. I'm just talking about alone. But when you have God, you're never, ever alone, ever. I want to look at a couple of examples of how Jesus taught. These scriptures will not be on the screen. I'm just kind of bringing out some things that he said. So if you're taking notes, you can write down John 6, 53 through verse 54. He said things like this. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Now pretend that this is the first time you've ever heard that verse, and you're thinking, this dude is crazy. He wants us to eat his body and to drink his blood. It sounds satanic. It sounds like a cult. It sounds like, what in the world is this guy doing? Now, of course, we understand that as you get into this and you understand the communion and what Jesus truly meant by this, it made a lot of sense. But imagine hearing this for the first time. See, Jesus wasn't interested in 
people just, just a good following. He wanted people who were committed to him. He wanted people that were committed to the Father. That's what he was looking for. He goes on to say in John chapter 6, verse 66, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Right? I mean, if you hear somebody say that, you're like, he is on something, and it must be some good stuff that he's on. Right? Because I mean, he's just talking out of his head. Luke 14, 25 says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Now, catch that. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, this does not sound like a guy who went through church growth training, does it? I'm thinking, we need to send him to school so that he learns how to grow a church. You don't say stuff like that. But that's what Jesus was saying. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. How many of you cringe when you hear that? What do you mean? I have to like hate people? That's not what the scripture was saying. It says by comparison. We must lay down our lives and give up everything for Jesus. That's what he was demanding. We're all getting a little hungry. <laughs> Jesus died. He, be- he was buried and he rose again. So when we understand all of that, this makes sense. Jesus didn't and doesn't want people to follow him. He simply wants them to understand what they are in for. Following Jesus will cost you something. It will cost you something. Oh, you're fine. We love babies. Babies don't bother us here. How many babies have we had in here lately that cry? A lot. It's really no big deal. It's no big deal. We learned this early on with Ella Kate. When she started crying, here's the things that we said. She has breath in her lungs, so we will not complain when we hear a baby. We love babies. No problem. Here's what I want to bring this down to. When I say following Jesus will cost you, we cannot preach a cheap cheap gospel that belittles Jesus' worth. I will not preach a gospel that belittles Jesus' worth. What do I mean by that? Simply to fill seats. Because Jesus is God. He did come to earth as a human. He did die. He was buried. He he did rise again, like I said. But he paid the price for all of my sin and your sin as well. Therefore, I cannot preach a cheap gospel that belittles Jesus' worth. See, once one starts... Oh, that's fine. We got, we got the, I, did, I said food. I said the food word. I know, right? We got another one that's sleeping good. Right, let me illustrate this, what I mean about we cannot preach a cheap gospel that belittles Jesus' worth. There was a, several years ago before Stasha and I met, she was in youth group and she heard a teaching and it set something in her spirit, set something in her heart. She vowed that she would never pursue a guy. And here's what I mean by that. She, she, just, she would not pursue a, a particular guy for this reason. She didn't want to cheapen her worth. In other words, she wouldn't be the one that made the first call. 
She just wasn't going to do that. It's something that she set up. So those of you who have been here, you've heard our story. Um, that all changed when she met me. I'm just kidding. It didn't change. <laughs> it didn't change at all. I had to pursue. I had to, not creepy. I told first service, it wasn't a creepy pursue. I mean, I wasn't like hiding behind the door when she would come home from work. Hi, Sasha. It's me. I'm here. You know. It was nothing like that. But she knew her worth, and she wasn't going to cheapen her worth for some guy. Okay? That's just made my job a little harder, but 20 years later, that's all I'm saying. Jesus cannot be cheapened. His worth is far above any person, far above anything that we can imagine. Unfortunately, the church and me, I'm pointing my finger at me today, have been guilty of this over the past few years in order to get people to follow. We've cheapened Jesus' worth. I'll explain what I mean by that as we continue to, to go on. The reality is we are not doing Jesus a favor by following him. In fact, we are the ones who benefit. Jesus, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm following you now, so I thought that would make you happy. Does it make it happy? Absolutely it makes him happy. It does. But Jesus, the message that we preach about Jesus, we cannot cheapen and devalue his worth. He suffered and died for my sins upon the cross, took all the torture, my guilt, my sin, my shame, he took upon the cross. I can't cheapen that. What an amazing price he paid so that I could have eternal life with the Father. So my question, what will you do with Jesus? Turn with me to John chapter 11. We're going to go over a few quick points. As a matter of fact, I want you to keep your finger here in John 11. We're going to turn a couple different places, but this is going to be our main context today. John chapter 11, 1. And we're going to see something about the value of Jesus and how he saves, okay? So John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured that expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear uh, friend is sick. Is very sick, it says. Lazarus was not getting any better. He needed to be saved, and the sisters knew Jesus was the only one who could do it. Now, this was a physical salvation that he needed, a healing that he needed. Which brings us to our first point. You and I need to be saved. Whether it's a physical sickness or a spiritual sickness, being lost without Jesus, every person needs to be saved. Every single person needs to be saved. Lazarus had no hope physically without Jesus. We have no hope spiritually Everybody in this room has one thing in common. Do you know what that one thing is? We're all sinners. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. That's what the Bible says, right? This is not a judgmental finger looking out because we're all at this point being, I guess, judged by God's word in that sense. We have all fallen short of God's glory. But those who come to Christ, you know what the Bible says? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And somebody needs to hear that today. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
I don't know your past. I don't know the sins that you have committed. You know what? I personally don't need to know those. I really don't. You don't need to know mine necessarily, other than the Bible does say this, to confess your sins one to another so that your sins may be forgiven, right? Who forgives? Jesus does. That's what we understand. But we all need to be saved. Everyone in this room has sinned, and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know who condemns you? The enemy. Satan condemns you. Often we can feel that guilt. Man, I want to come against guilt this morning that you may be feeling in your life. Man, you turn that over to Jesus and he takes it all. And all the little pointing fingers that are going at you, you know what? They mean nothing because you have been forgiven. We have all sinned. Sin condemns us to eternal separation from God. So why doesn't everybody believe this? We think of people who don't know Jesus. Why doesn't everybody believe this? The answer is simple. Not everybody wants to believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Not everybody necessarily cares that there's an afterlife. Not everybody necessarily cares that there's a God. I was point, posting this morning just a couple scriptures on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And I got to reading some of the other people's things that they were posting about that. People who are really well known who have like a gajillion followers. And so when you have a gajillion followers, you have saved and unsaved people who are commenting on your post and all this. And one particular person said, I suffer with depression often. Uh, throughout my life, but here's what I love about Easter. I can look at all the Christians who follow this zombie Jesus, and I get to laugh at them. And we shake our heads at that, but you know, here's the reality. We were there at one point. We may not have said it quite as harshly, but we were there at one point until we came to Jesus. You may be there this morning, but I want you to open your heart to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying today. Why doesn't everyone believe this message? Not everybody wants to. Many people refuse to believe that God would send people to hell. Have you heard that before? Well, if God is so good, why would he send people to hell? Well, here's how the Bible presents it. God has presented two choices, life and death. You choose which route you're going to go. So in reality, is God sending people to hell? No, people's decisions are right? That's, that's what we have to understand. And it's not, a, it's not a judgment from Christians or any type of thing, but God's made the path clear. Life or death, which way are you going to choose? The choice is yours in that sense. What are you going to do with Jesus? There is only one true God, and he made it very clear in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. We need to be saved. Point number two, the reality, we cannot save ourselves. We've referred to the movie, The Passion of the Christ, in the past few weeks, um, and we talked about a review that was given. That movie came out a long time ago, by the way. If you've never seen Passion of the Christ, I encourage you to see that. Um, it, it is a, it's a, an amazing representation of the, the happenings of the cross in Jesus' life. But there was a comedian, maybe you've heard of Bill Maher. He was a comedian, and he went and saw the movie, and uh, he was on TV on his show, and he admitted, he said, you know what, the movie made me think. Um, let me find my place here. Yeah, but his, his conclusion was sad when he saw this movie and how he made it think. Here's what he said, quote, I just don't get it. The thought of someone else cleansing me of my sins is ridiculous. I don't need anyone to cleanse me. I can cleanse myself. And at that, the crowd erupted into applause. 
The idea that we can cleanse ourselves. Now, can we make good decisions? Can we you know, change our life and all these type of things? Sure we can. But how much better can we do it with the help of Jesus Christ? And no matter how good we think we are, without Jesus Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit, we will never attain righteousness to be before the Father. Only the blood of Jesus makes us righteous enough to be presented before the Father. We cannot save ourselves. Ephesians 2.8 points this out when it says, God saved you by His grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. Nothing we can do on, I cannot be good enough. I think I'm a pretty decent guy most of the time. You don't see me at other times, right? But I try. I really do. But you know what? The best person in this room, the best person on the face of planet Earth does not have enough righteousness to be presented before the Father. Only Jesus Christ and the happenings on the cross where He shed His blood and took the payment for my sin. What do I mean by payment for my sin? I got a ticket a while back. This was a long time ago. Stasha and I were in the middle of moving and not only were we in the middle of moving, we were in the middle of a ministry transition in our life and um, I just forgot to get our registration renewed. So I yeah, I wasn't speeding that day. Um, so it wasn't a speeding ticket. <laughs> I just didn't renew my registration. And so the lady gave me a ticket. You know, not one person volunteered to pay my ticket for me. It's like a hundred and back then it was, I don't know, 160 bucks. No one volunteered to pay that. My sin debt is so much greater and Jesus willingly went to the cross and died in my place because we said that the wages of sin is death. For me to pay the price for my own sin, in other words, I have to die for that. But Jesus says, absolutely not. I'm going to die in your place. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. While my physical body may die, my spirit goes on. Where's it going to be? Heaven or hell? God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit from this. It is a gift from God. Let's get back to the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. John 11, uh, verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Um, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of Man will receive glory from this. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Mary, uh, Martha, Lazarus, He stayed where He was for the next two days. So in other words, Jesus didn't go immediately. Here we have Lazarus who they say he's sick, he's not doing well. We would think Jesus would immediately run and take care of the situation, but He didn't. He stayed where He was. And Lazarus died when Jesus finally showed up, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Verse 20 of John chapter 11. When, Mar when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went home or went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I want to focus on four words. Martha said, if only you had. If only you had. Have you ever asked God that question? But God, if only you would have rescued me from that situation. God, if only you would have prevented so-and-so from passing. God, if you would have only provided in that situation, none of this would have happened. 
It's not the first time Jesus has heard this question. And you know what? He really doesn't mind your question. He really doesn't. But it leads us to the third point. Sometimes Jesus doesn't save the way we think he should. Because life can have many if-onlys. Life can have many if only you had, or if only you hadn't even. You may be thinking about one right now. Some of the people in the Bible did. Verse 37 of John chapter 11, talking about Lazarus. Some said, talking about Jesus, I'm sorry. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? If only. Jesus, or couldn't Jesus have spared my friend, my loved one? Couldn't he have healed? Couldn't he have provided? Couldn't he have protected? If God can, then why doesn't he? We ask this all the time. You know, Jesus, we read so many examples in the New Testament of how you healed the blind man. Why is Stasha still blind? We've asked that question before. Kind of irreverently, can I just be honest with you? In my spirit, I, have, I haven't really vocalized that, but even in my spirit, I'm like, God, I just, I don't get it. I know you can, but why haven't you? I don't know what your if only is. Why doesn't he? Sometimes Jesus doesn't save the way we think he should. Because Jesus doesn't simply focus on the temporary side of salvation. He thinks far beyond the temporary. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die do you believe this, Martha? I want to ask you a question. Do you believe this, Debbie? Do you believe this, Stevie? Do you believe this, Blue? Do you believe this, fill your name in? Do you believe this message that is being presented today? The ultimate question, what will you do with Jesus? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Let's look at Martha's response. Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Which brings us to the last point. Jesus alone can save. Only Jesus can save. You cannot save yourself. Your friend cannot save you. You cannot ride to heaven on your parents' coattails, on your best friend's coattails. You must make a decision to follow Jesus. You're thinking today, but I'm already a Christian. What about this message? You know what? We've said this over the past few weeks. When you become a believer, you believe that Jesus is your Savior. But there's so much more to the Christian life. And you're, you're, you know what? You're going to be in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But there's a part of not only Jesus being your Savior, but Him being your Lord. Which means... Jesus, here's my life, do what you will with it. And so, so many people think that means I've got to go to Bible college and I've got to be a nun. Da, 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 da. No, that's not what it's saying at all. That means wherever God has placed you, whatever workplace, whatever family, whatever neighborhood he has placed you in, God, here is my life. Help me to tell other people about Jesus because I don't want my family, my friends, my neighbors going to hell. I want them to serve Jesus. So you're saying, you're my Savior, be my Lord, God hears my life, do what you will. And I believe that's one of the biggest issues in the church today. That there are many people who are saved, but Jesus has not become Lord of their life. And that's my plea to you this morning, that you would surrender everything that you are to Jesus. Because yes, He alone can save. 
the Bible is clear. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You can come on up, Lisa. We're going to get ready to move into a time of communion here. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. Our end will be very similar to Lazarus. Unless Jesus comes back, now this sounds horribly morbid, but unless Jesus comes back for his church, as it talks about the rapture, all that kind of stuff, we will die. You will die. That's just the reality that you know, we all, we all face it, and we don't like to face it, but it's real. So much so, I went to this place, I heard about it, and um, I thought it was kind of morbid and sick, but I went on this website anyway, called thedeathclock.com. It's weird. You go to thedeathclock.com, and you put in your birth date, you put in whether you're, you know, what your body mass index is, because uh, I want to know how healthy you are. Are you a smoker? All these type of things. Do you treat yourself okay? You don't abuse your body or whatever. And it gives you a death date. My death date, according to deathclock.com, is kind of weird. I will live to be 86 years old and die on August the 2nd, 2061. I've got 42 years left in me. The reality is nobody knows when our final day is. No one knows. That was kind of interesting. I mean, 86 years old. You still love me, baby. Even when I, I was going to say when I don't have hair anymore, but you know, we're already there. It's the only thing I got, Luke. It's the only joke I got, so... After I die, I will live eternally with Jesus. That's what I'm assured of. Why is that? Because I've received him as my personal savior. You know, Nathan and Gabriel down here, they're my kids. The only way that they are assured of salvation, not because their dad and their mom are preachers and serve in the church. Great. No, they had to make a decision on their own, and I'm happy to say that they did, right? We have to make our own decision. Is Jesus Savior and is He Lord? I want to take just a few moments. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today, and then we're going to receive a communion. How you do that, the Bible tells us this. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which means He came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross for our sins, was buried, rose from the grave, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. That means he's praying for us to help us because he knows how difficult life can be. Anybody want to testify that life is difficult? It is. It's hard. Jesus did not come so that we could, you know, drive Mercedes Benz and have the biggest house. And praise God, we get to enjoy some of those blessings. Praise the Lord for that, you know. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the blessings. But that's not the whole purpose of everything, right? After I die, will I live eternally with Jesus? So by believing this, the Bible says that you are saved. And as we, uh, matter of fact, the ushers, you can come on forward and go ahead and distribute the, the communion elements. If you've made that decision today, and you've, you know what, Jesus, I do want you to be my Savior. I'm going to give you a response here in just a few moments. I'm going to have you come up uh, as we're dismissing and pray with the elders that will be up here. And as the Bible says, you have to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Let them know, I gave Jesus my life today.
right? So I want, I want you to do that as we're dismissing. But as these communion elements are being passed and you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible says the only outline, the only requirement for receiving communion is that you have given your life to Jesus. To examine your heart, Lord, will you forgive me of sins that I have committed? Okay, making all that clear. You do not have to be a member of Abundant Life to receive communion. Thank you. Thank you. You do not have to be a member of Abundant Life. You just have to be a part of the family of God. So I just want to encourage you in that. But as you're receiving the bread, the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes, we are made whole. The stripes that he took upon his body were for our healing. And as Jesus was going through the teaching of communion, he was saying, this is my body. And he gave them the piece of bread and he said, take, eat, which means receive the healing that was provided for you. You may be ill here today. You may have gotten a bad report from the doctor, but I want you to believe Jesus for healing today. Do we worship the healing or do we worship the healer? We worship the healer. Because what if Jesus doesn't heal us? You know what? All I know is I have to believe. And so I receive his wholeness today. And it's so much more than what we experience physically right now. But when I receive, I receive with expectation that Jesus is going to heal. When Stasha receives of this communion on Sunday, she always believes that God is going to heal her eyes. That day is coming. Why is that? Because the name of Jesus will be glorified, right? All right. The juice that you're receiving represents the blood of Jesus, right? It's, just, it's a representation. Some people teach that this becomes the body and it becomes the blood of Jesus. The Bible, I'm just, the Bible doesn't teach that, right? It's just a representation of what it is. So when we receive of the juice, we're remembering the blood that was shed for our salvation. And so we can thank God for our salvation. We can thank him for our healing. So that's what we're going to do in just a few moments as, as these elements are passed. Receive the life of Jesus. Believers, receive the life of Jesus. Those of you maybe who you haven't made a decision for Jesus yet, or maybe you just did, receive the life of Jesus today. God is good. Jesus rose from the dead. How do we know this? Well, there are 400 prophecies in the Old Testament. This is the Bible. It's divided up into two sections, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament was completed 400 years before the New Testament began. Within that Old Testament, there are 400 prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus. Jesus fulfilled all 400 of those prophecies that were written hundreds of years later. A few weeks ago, we talked about the chances of Jesus fulfilling just 48 of those. Now, if this is for you math geeks, 1 in 10 to the 167th power. So that's 167 zeros behind the 1. That's how many, that, were, that was the odds of a person fulfilling just 48 of those 400 prophecies. Well, it can't be real because math and science. Well, no, that was just proven there because of math and science. It, it works out. Jesus is who he said and who, what, who the Old Testament talked about. Believe and you will be saved. So we're going to receive. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your body. You just kind of want to extend it up, hold it up. We, we receive of your healing today, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. God, I pray that you would touch each person today who may be hurting in their body today, in their mind today, in their spirit. Thank you for healing. Let's receive together. And then you have your 
cup of juice here. Lord, we thank you for this uh, symbolic representation of your blood that was shed for our salvation. God, we don't have to be separated from you and we don't have to be condemned because of our sin. In fact, you help us by your Holy Spirit. We will never be sinless, but God, you help us to sin less as we follow after you. So we say that your Savior and Lord receive together. Amen. Jesus has risen from the grave. Can we stand together? Pass your cups to the aisle. The ushers will be down to receive those. Today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to, as we're being dismissed, you just kind of hold your place and come down and talk to some of the elders who will be down here. Wayne and Vicki will be down here. Um, Dean, if you'll come on up here and pray, um, that will be great. Luke and Emma, can you just hang out up front here as well to pray with folks? Luke and Emma will be more than happy to pray with you as well, um, no matter what your need is. Um, but God is good. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter. Dean, will you come and pray for us? God bless you. Stasha and I will see you at the back.